Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Score! The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Right side, pass scope into right center, and the Sox are going to tie the game. Eloy Jimenez drives in the equalizer. Up the middle, this is into center field, and Jose's on his way with the White Sox lead at 5 to 4. AJ, left field side, and a run indeed, 6 to 4. Reyes waits for the 2-1. Here it comes. Hit in the air. Deep right field. Going back at Kino at the track. Near the wall. Looks up. It's gone. Friend Mill Reyes gives the Cubs the lead. His first home run with the Cubs. And it's a 2-1 lead for the Cubs here in Cincinnati in the fourth. The 1-2 is hit in the air. Deep right field. Aquino going back. He's at the track. Near the wall. Leaps. It's gone. Ian Happ with a three-run home run. Cubs break it open. Six to two, the lead over Cincinnati here in the seventh. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, baseball people, wherever you are. A glorious Sunday morning in August. It's a little sad around these parts, and I'll tell you why. Because football season has begun. You know, I like football. I enjoy my, my five-day-a-week, nine-to-five. Really, it's a two-to-six, and we do a lot of football over there. I like watching football. But, man, when it comes, when it starts, it does feel like they are trying to hustle baseball out the door. And I will not stand for that. I will not allow football to derail our baseball conversation. I rage, rage against the dying of the light that is the baseball season. We will not go gentle into that good September. Um, We'll see if the White Sox go into that good October. I don't know, but we will certainly discuss. But either way, it's still baseball season. Damn it. You see everything that's going on? There's so much going on. My goodness. Just everywhere you look, whether it's Jacob deGrom and six scoreless innings and 10 Ks, making uh, somebody feel emboldened about their pick of the Mets to win the World Series that was made at the All-Star break. I don't know who that would be. Maybe it's the guy who bet on him. That's right. Do you guys know you can gamble on baseball these days? You totally can. You can? In a week where Pete Rose was in the news uh, for terrible things, 
I, I am here to tell you that I have a ticket at plus 750 for the Mets to win the World Series because Scherzer and DeGrom in a playoff series? Come on. And then who's the three? Probably Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco, a willing bullpen guy. Maybe it's Chris Bassett. I was going to say Chris Bassett's there. Bassett, by the way, has their five highest pitch counts of the year. Bassett, he is a freaking horse compared to other pitchers around MLB. So that guy will be a valuable arm to go deep in the playoffs. And, you know, and then with Edwin Diaz and the trumpets and that, that offense, here's, here's how you know the Mets are good. The uh, Atlanta Braves are 23 games over 500. They just called up another blue-chip prospect from AA and Vaughn Grissom, who homers in his debut at Fenway Park the other night. Austin Riley's having an MVP year. Spencer Strider is unbelievable out of nowhere. They drop Ian Anderson down to the minors and don't miss a beat. And they're five and a half back of the New York Mets. Five and a half back. So look, there's so much going on around baseball. Fernando Tatis has let his teammates down massively. The maturity that they thought would be there by now. Nope, says A.J. Preller. Did the White Sox win that trade? Are we ready to declare the White Sox having won? No. But remember, if they don't do the trade, then they don't shift and they don't uh, go to this rebuild and turn into what they've turned into now, which is a team that uh, just won two games in a row. So, look, there's a ton to talk about nationally. There's a ton to talk about locally, and we'll do all of it. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Ryan Dempster's coming up at 10 o'clock. I love talking baseball with Ryan, and I saw him the other night in Iowa. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Eno Saris coming up at 11. I've been trying to talk to Eno for weeks now. Um, Eno writes for The Athletic. Uh, He is one of those guys who loves the numbers and the analysis, and not just the numbers, but like the quantifiable scouting stuff. Loves the data that is available now but loves to talk about it with players who are into it, and even players who are not. Loves to try and connect the scouting stuff, the intuitive stuff, with the data. And those people are valuable. And he's fun. I like Eno. So Chris Kamka also coming on because I get Chris Cam connected every single week because why would I not? That dude is a beautiful mind, a beautiful baseball mind, uh, as passionate as anybody I've ever known about the game and about his niches uh, in it. Along the way, your phone calls, not merely welcome, but elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. Sean, open them up, baby. Let's open up those lines at 312-644-6767. And that is also the number you can text. The text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. We are broadcasting live from the Scores Hyundai Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And very excited to be here and talk with you. Um, The White Sox take the first two against Detroit. They are one game away from finishing up this stretch of 19 straight games against teams below 500. You guys remember that 19-game stretch they had against division teams? Like a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, we talked about that, looked forward to it. Do you remember what their record was in that 19-game stretch against division teams? Like, here you go, this stretch will define the season. They went 10-9. and nine. They went 10-9. and nine. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's right, this is mediocrity. This is what it looks like. This is what it is. Now, they're one game away from finishing this stretch 
of 19 straight against teams below 500. Anybody want to guess what their record is in this stretch so far? Say it, say it to yourself out loud in bed, in the back porch, on the seat, while you're having a cigarette and a coffee. I know. I, I know you're out there. Tell you what it is. It's 10 and 8. They're 10 and 8 in 18 games so far in this stretch. So that means they have to lose today. <laughs> right? Wouldn't that feel appropriate if they win a couple in a row against a bad team in Detroit and you're starting to think, hey, you know what? Seeing a little something. There we go. Two steps forward, one step back. It does not please me to predict a White Sox loss today, but 10 and 9 in this stretch seems right. But we'll see. Maybe it'll be 11 and 8. They're bad teams, so it should be better than the, than the other stretch. So maybe they'll be 11 and 8. I will say it was nice to see some things in that White Sox game that I didn't expect. One was Lucas Giolito getting all the way into and out of the seventh inning. No way did I think that was going to happen when that game began. He's in trouble in the first. When was the double play to Moncada? Was that, that was in the first. I think that was to end the first. And then the second inning blows up on him. The big missed call on what he thought was strike three to Kerry Carpenter, the, the Tigers rookie. 3-2 fastball that had a lot of the zone, but Hunter Wendelstadt, like his father Harry before him, is capable of blowing a call with anybody, but that's okay. So he missed that. He called it ball four, and then Giolito allowed three straight hits, including the Riley Green double over Eloy Jimenez. Just an absolutely brutal route by Eloy. What was that? Woof. So anyway, um, Giolito's down 3-1 after the Eloy misplay in the second. The Sox come back, tie it up. But then Giolito's down 4-3 in the third. And you're like, man, going to be a short outing here. Ronaldo went yesterday. How much can they get out of people? I, I don't think Joe Kelly can go. Graveman went yesterday. He's not going to go back-to-back. And then Giolito settles down. 13 of the last 14 batters he faced, including that big 1-6-3 double play. And ends up being a seven-inning start with a relatively low pitch count, like less than 95 pitches for Giolito. Did not think he was going to get out of there. So that's one thing that, that is nice to see. And the other thing was just, I don't know, man, run hard. I know everybody's hurt. Everybody's got dead legs. Some people have been told by their bosses to please don't bother to run. Eloy in the outfield, been told to pussyfoot it out there. And he did. You know, there's no Luis Robert took the day off with the wrist, so you didn't have to see him happily accepting a single on what should be a double, which he's done many, many times this year. Drives you nuts. But they're worried about the hamstring, worried about the soft tissue, et cetera. Nice to see Jose Abreu run hard, isn't it? Beating out the grounder for the infield hit in the seventh, and then the super aggressive tag-up that shouldn't have been as close as it was it's just that Javi is the king of the tag. Where are you, Shane Reardon? Fast tagger. Oh, boy, is that guy a fast tagger. He is. Almost got a Brayu. If you want to tell me he did get a Brayu, it's uh, pretty tight. But anyway, good hustle, Jose. And he ends up scoring the game winner on the Andrew Vaughn seventh inning hit because that's what Andrew Vaughn does. And Hendricks finishes, what is it, 16 straight save opportunities. So, look, some nice things for the White Sox, without a doubt. But I'll be, uh, I'll be a little shocked, a little shocked, if they don't lose today to go 10-9. and nine. We, um, 
We have a, a no-brainer of a Cubs power experiment on the north side that's working pretty damn well. So Fran Mil Reyes is an absolute no-brainer to play. A, a good signing. You've got these months. You've got these weeks here. Put that dude out there with his incredible easy power. Sean, let's play some of this stuff. We heard the Reyes home run as part of the open there. Zach Zabin on the call all night long as Pat Hughes was doing TV, and I believe is doing it again uh, today. So Zach will have the call along with Ron Coomer a little bit later today right here on 670 The Score. And uh, that's, by the way, a first pitch around 1240. So early first pitch. But Fran Mil Reyes has hit well, had a couple of hits in the Field of Dreams game, had the first home run last night, that opposite field shot. And here's David Ross talking about Fran Mil Reyes's fit with the Cubs. That's a big, big, powerful man who looks like somebody's dad out there. Fran Mil's done a really nice job. He fit, I mean, if you know the guy at all, he fits in really well with everybody. His teammates love him already. The guys are rooting for him. Um, he's got some familiarity here with uh, bench coach Andy Green and Johnny Washington. So I think he feels right at home. He's a guy that's easy to like. And yeah, I think it's been pretty seamless. And then here's Fran Mil Reyes talking about those guys. The assistant hitting coach to Greg Brown is Johnny Washington. And Fran Mill goes way back with Johnny Washington. Andy Green was there, and Washington was the assistant hitting coach in San Diego when Fran Mill Reyes made his big league debut. Here's the big slugger talking about Johnny Washington. Um, you know, it was always going to be special when I, when I have Jay Wash around. Um, he's, he's somebody that always going to help me, always, always want the best for me. Uh, he knows my family. He knows how, the, how important this is for me. That's awesome. That's Fran Mill Reyes last night um, really mixing in. and. Uh, and there was, you know, on this fit, listen to Fran Mill talking about his fit with the Cubs uh, right now at this point. And this team, you seem to just fit in right away. What is it about the Cubs that you feel so comfortable? Like, there's something that, that I will always be appreciative of all my teammates, um, the coaches, the way they receive me here uh, with all those smiles and all that. Like, that's something that gives you comf- confidence right away. And, like, I really love the way they treat me. It's Fran Reyes talking about how he's getting treated and how he likes it here and he's comfortable. That dude has what we like to call, as a texter points it out, and of course it is the correct phrase in this instance. It's what Eloy has at times, easy power. Easy power. And if you see cuts and quotes from Cubs players like, oh, boy, that Fran guy, he can, uh, all he does is he just kind of puts the bat down there and it goes 360 feet. That's nice. That's good to have. It was crazy that Cleveland gave up on him. Not crazy, but like it was intense that Cleveland gave up on him. That is a team that needs power, still needs power, but just couldn't do it anymore. So we'll see what happens with Framil. But he he's really got a shot to be a part of things, not just next year, but like next few years. He's 27 years old, even though he looks like somebody's dad. You look out there like, oh, whose dad is playing? When he came out of the corn in the Field of Dreams game, oh I was God. like, oh, my God, who is that? Oh, boy, the corn. Oh, you just reference the corn, and my head tilts. I go off into the, the ether, and I think about my night on Thursday night and the road trip there and the road trip back. I want to talk about it with you guys. I, I, I will talk about it with you guys this hour. I desperately, I, I need to, and give you that perspective um, on what it was like as a fan to go to that thing. 
So, uh, look, Fran Mill is in, and that is a, a nice little thing for the um, for the for the Cubs to have at this point. There's other Cubs stuff to talk about along the way. Anybody still open to the idea of Nick Madrigal being a useful part of a good team? I sometimes find myself saying a quick no. And then I see good contact, a whole bunch of good contact. Not all contact is good contact, remember? So, like, little slappy ground balls, no thank you. But line drives, sure. Um, you know, little bits, uh, little lasers like Dustin Pedroia used to hit. Okay, it's gonna, you're going to be that guy sometimes? All right, we can talk. So there was, there's, been some, there's been some pretty good contact for Nick Madrigal of late. But I, I still... I still do not really believe he has the overall instincts to be a useful MLB player on a real good team. I, I just kind of don't see it. But he's got an opportunity here. He's got an opportunity the rest of the way, and he's starting to show it. And Ian Happ owns Cincinnati. We should all be betting Ian Happ in Cincinnati to do big and large things. He's got a career OPS in the Great American Small Park, as the Porthinator, Ryan Porth, likes to call it. Of like 1.225. That's lifetime OPS in that place. Absolutely outrageous. I don't think he's gone without hitting a home run there. In a series? Yeah. Yeah, like every time he goes down there, he literally, homers. Literally since a cub, he's homered there in Cincinnati every time. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Your calls are coming up. I got a million thoughts on the league, on things going around, um, on the White Sox and the Cubs. But as always... I want to talk with you, and we do it next, right now, on Hit and Run here on The Score. The premier baseball show in Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus... Original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Cargo, hit and run with Matt Spiegel. As he goes after the first pitch he sees here and labels it to left. Eloy's at the track, and he cannot make the catch. It's off the wall, and the Tigers take the lead. The bases were loaded, and now the one remaining is green as the Tigers get a big hit with two out in the second inning. Jason Benetti on the call from NBC Sports Chicago. Eloy Jimenez, pardon me. Sunday morning. All right, everything's fine. Wait, hold on, not yet. All right, there we go. You good? Yeah, ready to go. Thank you. Thanks very much. I'm a professional talker. My, oh, I know, man. My voice, my voice is uh, an important part of the uh, the equation. Um, but anyway, Eloy Jimenez with a brutal route and a misplay in left field. In a related story, here's a related story. As uh, I, Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run, deliver um, some actual cogent content. Over the last 30 days, the best hitter in baseball by a batting average is Aaron Judge, uh, hitting 425. Then, uh, and by the way, he's got uh, a lot of home runs. Um, Then there's Vladimir Guerrero, second best hitter in baseball over the last 30 days. Has had that long hitting streak. Vlad's been on fire for a couple of months, actually. Third best hitter in baseball, hitting 381, is Brendan Rodgers, the second baseman in Colorado. You might never guess that. But I bring all this up to say that the fourth best batting average in baseball over the last 30 days is Eloy Jimenez, hitting 377. 
an OPS of 968, four homers in the last 30 days. By the way, Aaron Judge has 15 homers in the last 30 days. But Eloy's, Eloy has arrived and is hitting and had an RBI single yesterday. Eloy is a horrific and dangerous fielder. He is a, is a troubling uh, <laughs> baseball player to watch on the defensive end. And next year, he should be a full-time DH if they can afford, positionally, to make him a full-time DH. They should find a way to do so. But 377 over the last 30 days, man. That's real. That's real. Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Mark is in South Bend and is first up this hour on The Score. Hello, Mark. What's happening? Hey, Matt. How you doing, my friend? I'm wonderful. Yeah, congratulations on the Field of Dreams. I know you had a good catch with Ruben there, and I'm happy for you and Ruben and your family and your wife. Uh, a couple of things is I know that the series with Houston starts, the four-game series, and Cease is due out Tuesday. Is Verlander due Tuesday, or is he due on a different day in that series? That's a great question. I'll have to look at it. That would be super fun. Uh, I will check out. Let's see, because Tuesday – is uh is would would be cease day? Yeah, we got a TBD for Houston, so we'll see we'll see what they want to do. Verlano will probably pitch three games in the series because that's how he rolls. Responses I have uh, a couple responses you can respond to them. Uh, a couple promotional things. Jason Benetti's a big eater during the game when he does broadcast. <laughs> I think next year there could be a promotion. I know Mitch Rosen's son works for the White Sox, and you can put it on a bird on his shoulder. About and I called it in and left a message with the PR the people in the White Sox for next year. Yeah. Every Wednesday night, have a Jason Benetti spaghetti night. The first ten thousand get a plate of spaghetti with a little piece of garlic bread and salad, and that would be a great Wednesday night promotion. Where <laughs> it's like, is there a vendor walking around with plates of spaghetti and garlic bread and salad and a piece of bread? Here you go, get your Benetti spaghetti. What does it go for? Twelve bucks? Thirteen? I don't know. Awkward. Awkward to have a vendor walking around with, with full plates of spaghetti and garlic bread and salad. Mark, you're the best. I, I, I haven't talked to Mark in a long time. I know you had more, but it's not going to get better than that. It's just not. Thank you for calling, Mark. <laughs> Benetti Spaghetti. I'm in. Ben is in Queens on Hit and Run. Good morning on a Sunday. What's up, Ben? Good morning, my dear good Mr. Spiegel. Hey, you know, in that last month where Aaron Judge has been the best batter, guess what? The Yankees are 10 and 15. Can it, you believe it? It's un, it's unbelievable. It's uh, why this game is, uh, is often maddening. One guy doesn't matter as much as you think it will. We all go crazy when Juan Soto becomes a Padre and they lose five in a row. You know? That's how it goes. Yeah, it, it takes a team and the rest of the team can't score. What do you know? Yeah. Anyway, having a, a lovely baseball summer here. Uh, as I was saying last night, I took my, my uh, nightly bike ride. I go up uh, Corona Park. I go right by City Field. They're coming out. They are just electric from the DeGrom start. And the Mets are looking I'm serious. The Mets are looking serious, which is bad news for me because I loathe the Mets. But, you know, hey, we'll see. They'll be taken out by the Dodgers. Yeah, anyway. It, but, but it has that feeling. I'll tell you right now, it has that Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, Diamondbacks, roll through the postseason kind of feeling. And, and they're deeper than that. And I know it's a different time. Uh, but, but my goodness, Scherzer will take the ball any and every time. And if DeGrom can just, you know, uh, and, and answer the bell um, for his moments, whoop, fear. 
And like you and like you said, Bassett. Bassett has been you know solid because this whole time it's like, well, how have the Mets been first place? Well, they got Bassett, they got Walker. You know, they've been holding. Up. It's been they got a good team. I hate to admit it. I hate to admit it. Now they do great outreach. I'm a little league coach here, and they do awesome outreach to the community. So I do have to give them that. But otherwise, screw the Mets. <laughs> anyway, I want to talk about the Cubs. I'm really enjoying the Cubs, and I know you think that next year they're going to be competitive. I think they're also going to be competitive. I don't know exactly if the same range as you. But if they are to be competitive, let us look then at 2014, because 2014 was a very, very important year if you go back. There are a bunch of things that happened. Look, Anthony Rizzo signed that contract. He went from a two-and-a-half war player to a five-war player. Hmm. Uh, Jake Arrieta found it. He led the team in war that year. He found it. I don't remember. You remember a couple? He had a couple no hitters going into the eighth inning. There was a great game at Fenway Park yep. that he pitched. That was really good. Anyway, and uh, a couple. You know, uh, Kyle Hendrick is a rookie. You look at this year. Okay, look on the B war. Nico Horner three point seven. He's gonna he's gonna get up there around five. And he might he might touch it. Also in half. You look at the pitchers. Uh, Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele are leading the team in ERA plus, and they are leading the team in ERA. If they wouldn't walk so many people, they'd also be leading the staff in whip, but they are not. So you're feeling it. Ben is feeling it right now. Cubs are 13 and eight in their last 21 games. Thompson and Steele have established themselves as viable rotation pieces. I'm a big fan of Steele. I am a, that dude is maturing as we watch, getting more and more confident, serious strikeout stuff, knows how to pitch now, has some swagger to him. With with that arm and a fastball sitting where it does and moving where it does, That that is legit feel-good-about-a-number-three starter stuff. And, you know, every once in a while, that number three gives you a hell of a game, and you're like, there he goes, that's top-of-the-rotation stuff. But I, I wouldn't count on him as my ace or my two, but I'm feeling pretty damn good about Justin Steele. He's got that dad strength now, Speaks. <laughs> is that what it is? I think so. Yeah, well, change a couple of diapers. You never know what could happen. Um, so, yeah, but Ben is feeling it. I, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll see, Ben. I, the aggression is going to come. If you were listening last week, we played the clarity from, uh, from Jed Hoyer. Uh, we are going to compete. We are going to compete. Do you have that from last week? Thank you, Sean. This is him on marquee. After the deadline, after a press conference, after an appearance here on the score, he went on the flagship and said this. Yeah, you know, we'll certainly have money to spend uh, going into next year. And um, you know, we, our, our goal is to, to build something really special. Uh, we know uh, that, that truly special season uh, may mm-hmm. be a bit in the future, um, but we want to compete every year uh, in the meantime. So there'll be money to spend. And um, we look forward to, to getting to the off season and, and working on that. But in the meantime, we got uh, a lot more games, and uh, we can learn a lot over this uh, this next you know almost two months. So you know, I I, I like it. We're going to compete as we go, as you should, as you should in a market of this magnitude. Mike is in Streeterville and is now on the score. Good morning, Mike. Hey, how you doing, Matt? Great. How are you? Uh, where, where do you think the Gr- Where do you think the Grom is going to end up? In terms of uh, as a free agent? Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, Mike. Mike, I love when you call. I really do. Um, I think DeGrom will stay right there. I think he will stay right there. And I think he loves – you know what he loves about City Field, Mike? I've heard 
is he likes the groundskeeping. He thinks that the field is in really good shape. He admires the volume of men on the hose at uh, at City Field. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Do you think he would ever leave there? Is he gone? Is Mike gone? I miss Mike. I don't know. I don't know. You make you're making a good point, but I, I have a follow up question. Yeah. Speaking of fields, did yeah. you uh, did you take a ball off the coconut at the Field of Dreams game? <laughs> yeah, you saw it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was unimpressive. I got to tell you, I have some pain in my left temple, right here. Right here. I do have some pain where the ball came right to me. But thanks for reminding me, Mike. It's, uh, you know, sometimes you're feeling good and, you know, doing a show with confidence and somebody reminds you of a terrible moment in your life. So after every half inning at the Field of Dreams game, Votto uh, would, would throw the ball that they were using for fielding practice. And eventually, who was that? first for the Cubs. It, it wasn't Higgins. wisdom. Yeah, yeah, Higgins. Higgins would do the same. So the last ball that they threw in, they would turn and throw right into my section, which also happened to be Mike and Streeterville's section. But that first one, I didn't know it was coming. I was talking to somebody. I think it was Mike and Streeterville. I was talking to, and I had my phone in my hand, and I look up, and there's a ball coming right at me, and I reach for it with the left hand to go bare hand, and it went off the finger and right into my face. Smacked me clear as day directly in the left temple and then hit my kid next to me and then bounced around. I looked for it and somebody got it behind me. Oh, so you guys didn't even get the ball? Didn't even get that ball. Hit me in the face. And you basically caught it. In the face. <laughs> and so and, and I stood up and I turned around and I saw a whole bunch of people looking at me and pointing at me like, what an idiot. That just happened to him. And a couple of them, I'm pretty sure, also said, hey, is that Matt Spiegel? You know? So that's always a great moment, you know? They're like, whoa, what an idiot. Oh, I know that guy. From Tribute Source. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Whatever it is. But I told them all, this never happened. You keep it down. You don't talk about it. Let's, this never happened. And then Mike and Streeterville with his stupid phone call. Whatever, Mike. Did you hear about the foul ball that came into the Cubs booth? Uh, yeah, I know. That was amazing. You start looking and you go, he's on a winning team, does a lot. (laughs) We almost got a ball. It was right above us, but it took out a light. It smashed the light above the two of you and then ricocheted out of the booth. And I didn't want to dive on top of the desk where you guys are broadcasting. Aristides Aquino hits a high fly ball to shallow center. Coming in as Morel. He's got it. Pat Hughes unfaced. Oh, he's the king. He's the best. He's the best there ever was. He's like, all right, you guys deal with that. You tell me about that later on in the game. Is it Coom, Z- Coom told us yesterday inside the clubhouse that Zaidman jumped under the desk. Oh, it was Zaidman <laughs> who jumped under yeah. because because Coom talked about somebody in the back row there jumping under, and we thought it was Ryan Porth who was there. No, we're talking about Zach. <laughs> Zach. Come on, Zach. Right. Come on, man. <sighs> I want to talk about that experience in the next segment, but first, Stan is in Bellwood and is now on Hit and Run this morning. Hello, Stanley. Hey, man, how are you? I'm great. How you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> Your last ride this morning, Speaks. Oh, I'm, uh, good. Thank great you. show as usual. Thank you, sir. Uh, Speaks, uh, a couple things before I get to uh, my Sox twins thought. Uh, have you finally come around to my way of thinking about Eloy in the outfield and he do- and that he doesn't belong out there? 100%. Because I, at, at this time last year, yep. 
and I couldn't believe it. You know, we, we kept going at it. You were effusive in praise about how improved he was as an outfielder. And I, I just, I, you and I just were not watching the same guy. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. No, but here's the thing, Stan, is that I, I, I often hold out hope for the young that they can work, they can improve. And I think he has, and he's limited himself, which is sensible, and you're supposed to be able to survive out there. But, I, I mean, the ver- very basics, I mean, that route right there, that costs you three runs. And, and so, you know, that kind of stuff is, um, is inexcusable, and it's, it, it's time. It, it, it's time, for sure. Go ahead, Stan. Bad judgment. He gets a terrible jump, and he's also a menace. To everybody out there around him, he's gonna get he's gonna get somebody else hurt, much less himself. Yep. He shouldn't be in the outfield. Now, now, uh, one more thing here. I, one more thing I want to break your balls about. I love you. You know that. It's all good. But listen, I know you got a nice ticket on the Mets. That's great, uh, and you certainly don't want to play them once we get into the postseason. I'm with you. They're they're a very dangerous team. But who did you pick to win the World Series in April? Because that's your pick, and not the team that you picked in July. <laughs> because other, otherwise, why not wait until September 29th before making your pick to win the World Series? So I'm happy you got the Mets, and I'm with you. They're dangerous. But the Mets are not your pick, Speed. The team you picked in April is your pick. All right, that's fair. What about the team that I picked in, in September 29th? What if I say, you know what? I mean, See, come on, man. This is, there you go. This, is, this, is, this is how you do professional radio. I'll have three picks. I'll have three picks going into the playoffs. My preseason, my midseason, and my pre-playoffs. And I will ride whichever one is most convenient. Stan, you got me. All right. Listen, <laughs> uh, Sox and the Twins speaks. Yeah. Um, you, you, still, you still cannot dismiss the White Sox chances. You know, I'm looking at the standings here. Uh, I know how terrible the Sox have been all year, but the Sox and the Twins have the same number of wins. It, it's the old, uh, it's the Reverend Watkins theory. Yes, sir. Right. You know, the Sox don't have to get better, Speaks. Everybody else just has to get a little bit worse. Yep. Uh, the, the Twins have come back to the White Sox. Now, if we can get the Guardians to do the same thing, maybe they'll just win the division by default. I think... The White Sox just may very well wind up winning the division anyway just by virtue of those teams coming back to them. I don't get it. I don't know what's going to happen, but the White Sox have been terrible. They've uh, been swimming in, uh, in, stay, uh, in place. They have not moved, but they can still win the division because the, the teams in front of them just come back to them. Yep, absolutely, Stan. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know – it has been awkward. It has been ugly baseball, but it has been standings climbing baseball. It has been two games over 500 for the Sox, two and a half back of, yes, the Guardians. The Guardians are seven and three in their last 10, now with a positive run differential. Cleveland pitches well, they pick up the ball and throw it clean, they make a bunch of contact. They have the best manager in baseball, in my opinion. A guy who is in perfect synergy with his front office. They know what they're doing together. And Cleveland playing the cleanest brand of ball all year long in that division. Rising up to seven games over 500.
high water mark for for them. That's for sure. So we'll see. In terms of the wild card, by the way, in the American League, Baltimore is just on the outside looking in, just behind Tampa Bay. I'm rooting for the Orioles. I like Brandon Hyde. Um, I like a lot of those young players. I like a lot of those veterans that are there. Um, and I don't know I don't know what's going to happen when it blooms in full. But anyway, Tampa Bay um, holding off the Orioles. Minnesota, one game back. The White Sox are two games back of that last wild card spot. But there's a lot of teams in there to tussle with. The ones that I mentioned, plus the Red Sox just behind the White Sox. All right, I want to tell you about... Thursday um, and the magic that was for me from the fans' perspective. Ryan Dempster coming up at the top of the hour. It's hit and run right here on 670 The Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. He lifts this one in the left. That's going to dunk in for a hit in front of Elmore. His throw to the plate is not in time. And the Cubs with a two-out burst to make it 2-0. I mean, yeah, it just... Pack crowd felt kind of a college size, college atmosphere. Definitely not normal. Like I could visibly see a horse like from shortstop pretty easily. <laughs> um, but yeah, the crowd was there. They were present. It was definitely quieter than normal. I had to turn the pitch calm down lower than I have before, and just little things like that. But definitely still energy in the ballpark, and um, yeah, great experience. That's Nico Horner talking about the vibes at the Field of Dreams game. Nico, uh, hi, uh, Matt Spiegel, uh, hit and run, 670 the score. Um, when's the last time you could see a horse visibly from shortstop? <sighs> Maybe never. Uh, and turning the pitch calm down. Here's the thing. There's a lot of aspects of this to talk about, and I was lucky enough to get to go. Um, spent uh, spent uh, more money than I was wanting to spend in my life on an experience uh, like that. But you have to do it sometimes. You know, every once in a while, if you get a chance to, it's like, you can't take it with you. I was told by one of the guys who was on this radio show a week ago, Brooks Boyer, that it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Got to get there and do it. And I'm so thrilled to have done it. And frankly, what's going to happen there next year with the construction that Frank Thomas alluded to is going to change the vibe of the place. You know what they're going to do? They're going to build a bunch of extra fields, a bunch of uh, and and there's look, there's plenty of space to do this. They don't have to mess up the way that things are set up right now, which is set up pretty well, where you park in a big field in a big grassy field, and you walk down and across the street and walk in the entrance, and you're at the movie site right there. You're on that field basically, next to the house, next to the baseballism merchandise store right there. And then you walk through the cornfield to get to the, the, the ballpark, the fancy ballpark. Off past that to the, you know, uh, you know past those spaces, if there's a ton of space. So you could, you could put four, five, six fields out there if you want, little mini stadiums and make yourself a complex. But it will change the vibe of it a little bit, that's for sure. Right now it feels so intimate and so special. Just just remarkable stuff. I, you know, my wife is a Cubs meatball. I think I've talked about her before on this show. Um, she was a poor girl from uh, the neighborhood uh, on the north side. Wrigley was the place that her father took her and took her sister on Sundays. One day a week she got to see him. 
all of our baseball and Cubs experiences together, me and her, are imbued with that. The the magic of the place, the magic of the Cubs. So like it it's it's been really nice for me to have her beautiful, pure fan soul having that love of the game and that gratitude for the experience. It rejuvenates me. Um, this is the girl who cried when I called and said I had World Series tickets for her in 2016. Hey, I got a ticket for her. You want to go? And she broke down and cried right there at work. As the Griffies and the players are emerging from the corn, she cries again. She has the good fortune to be there. She loves it, feels the moment. And also, and she had mentioned this to me, that as a brown person, she's half Mexican, half Oneida Native American, in a place where there weren't too many brown persons uh, in the stands. She was so happy and appreciative to be there and felt felt sort of, you know, uh, the the honor and the specialness to be there. And, man, making her happy is just the goods. And this is so, no, my dad wasn't there. But uh, you feel those extra layers of emotion and layers of connectivity along with baseball, the generational power with the ones that you're with. And it was great. I, I had a ton of special moments as father and son. There was a moment when Ruben pitched to me on the uh, movie site. He got up on the mound and people are waiting to, to pitch on the mound and their usually their fathers or their brothers or their sons are waiting to catch them to go be the catcher. So we waited in these little two lines and he was on the mound and went to pitch to me and absolutely went nuke Lelouch on the thing. Just like blasted it up in the air. Well past everybody. Horrific disaster. And I know nuke Lelouch is a different movie, but forget it. He's rolling. And so the guy who caught it, threw it back to him and and he stepped forward off the mound. He's 10 years old. It's, it's, it's a mound. It's far. Come a little closer. So he came a little closer and then fired a strike. I think slider lowing in, uh, I believe, great, uh, great 12 to 6 action on that thing. Didn't get a spin rate, but really, really solid. So we have that moment where he pitches and he wanted to do it again after the game. I need to make sure that we go out and play catch as much as we can before the weather changes because we all know it's coming. Hell, football has started. And just, he was so engaged, standing on the seat after every half inning as players would throw balls into into the crowd. This is after I got hit in the left temple. He wanted to catch a ball in the stands so bad. And also just cheering with specifics and whatever knowledge he had all game long. I told him Rowan Wick had a curveball and a fastball. Throw a curveball! He's cheering for Patrick Wisdom to hit a wisecrack, which I think is Jordan Bastion's term for a Wisdom home run. He's Isaya! screaming for specific players, and he's never like that. That was easily the most engaged, most joyful he's ever been, most present he's ever been at a baseball game. Is it because of uh, the road trip and the hotel and like the feeling of, of, of his parents taking him someplace special and he knows it's special? Maybe. And then walking back through the cornfield at the end of the game, walking back to the movie site, and the full moon, that full blood moon is rising like the movie poster over the corn. It's this packed walkway, and the kid reaches up and grabs my hand, leans on me, and I, I never wanted the walk to end. You know? He said, that was awesome. Said that a few times. Best game ever. See, I told you I would enjoy it because he had heard – my producers uh, and 
co-host in the afternoons talking about whether he would enjoy it or not. See, I told you I would enjoy it. Just, just magical stuff. If you ever get the chance, if the game does come back in two years, go. Even just, just to take the drive, if there's another game, there's a minor league game there a few nights ago. Maybe there'll be other games along the way. Go. It's worth it. If you love the baseball and you feel the generational pull, you feel the family pull, the added layers, go. Uh, could not believe what a, what a wonderful, wonderful time that was. I, David Ross talking about it said as soon as he walked onto the field, he started to run. He was just like, oh, I got to run. I, I feel like I should run. He was just, just absolutely feeling it. Love that. And uh, that's what it was. I, I did not run, but I did play catch. You know me. You know how I love to uh, high-five strangers at a ball game? I, I, I do. I do love to do that. Before the game, when we're playing catch and we're out there in that field, I decided to play catch with a stranger. That was my version of high-fiving with a stranger. And you know, you're holding a glove in one hand, a ball in the other. You look for somebody, try to make eye contact. They're about 30 yards away. Hey, or, you know, maybe 20 yards away. Give them the nod. Hold up the ball. Then they hold up the glove. You have, with unspoken contract, established, we are now going to play catch. You try to hit the glove. I will try to hit the glove. Let's go. And I did that. That's, that's, that was the mission accomplished, among other things. Um, my strongest recommendation, and we'll see what they do. And there's lots of time to talk about what else MLB is going to do with special events like that. Ryan Dempster was there. Ryan Dempster, former Cub and Marlin and Red Sox pitcher. Was there. Good to see him there. We'll talk a little bit about that, a little bit about the Cubs, and who knows what else. I love talking to Demp. We'll do that next. It's Hit and Run here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.